Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you all for being here today. At this time, I present our master of ceremonies of this event to you. She's a powerhouse and a friend of mine who is dear to my heart. Welcome, Melanie Ake. She's the founder of Everyday Leaders Professional Coaching and Consulting, a certified John Maxwell team leadership coach, speaker, trainer, and as a certified Y Institute agent, she helps others discover their own why. Welcome, Melanie Ake, and now I'll turn it over to you. Thank you so much, Gigi. Welcome to everyone, our panelists and all of our guests joining us today, and Gigi, our host for this event. I'd like to introduce you because you do so much for everyone. You are amazing. Regeline Gigi Sabat, you are a motivational speaker, a best-selling author, a life coach, first-generation Haitian-American, and the host of Walk With Me podcast that many of these guests today have been on. Um, also, financial expert, CEO and founder of Life Service Center of America, LLC, and amazing host of all of these panels that are changing the world. So thank you so much from all of us, Gigi, for what you do. I'd like to open today's session, today's event, the global panel of suicide attempt survivors. This is amazing. What you're going to learn today from these survivors, these warriors, is going to be something that you definitely want to get your journals and you want to be able to step into people's lives around you, look for these warning signs and be able to make a difference in the world. A poem that was brought to us by our keynote speaker today is by Maya Angelou. It says, Having courage does not mean that we are unafraid. Having courage and showing courage means we face our fears. We are able to say, I have fallen, but I will get up. Today's keynote speaker, Renee Michelle, a deep, dear friend of mine. I am so honored that she is here today with us. She's an international speaker, the author of Battle Scars Are Beautiful, From Victim to Victory. She's a coach, consultant, and a Renee Michelle speaker, author, consultant. She's so much more. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. Renee, or Michelle. <laughs> Thank you, Melanie, and thank you, everybody, for being here today. I want to start by saying that we are the human faces behind an outrageous statistic. We can become so desensitised by numbers, but we have gathered here today, united as a collective voice, to say that there is hope from one of the leading causes of death globally. Unfortunately, here in Australia, we lost 3,318 people to suicide in 2019. Globally, we lose 800,000 people annually to suicide. That is one person, one life, every 40 seconds. It's outrageous and it hurts my heart and I'm here to say today that there is hope and that I am a walking, talking example alongside every other man and woman here today that this is something that while is very painful and very real can be overcome. 
So by the time I turned 19, I had already attempted to take my own life three times. The earliest was when I was 10 years old. Now I have had people say to me, how can a 10 year old child comprehend what suicide is and be in so much pain that that can seem like a rational thing to do? I'm here to say that suicide is never rational. It is a painful incident that leads to a very irrational result based on our pain, based on the feelings of hopelessness and not knowing where to go or who to talk to. And also believing this pain that is so huge that we carry everywhere with us night and day will never leave us. I fell through the cracks of the mental health system. I, at age 10, was in so much pain from sexual, physical and emotional abuse that to my 10-year-old mind, that seemed like a logical way to end that pain and suffering. You know, it says that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And the reason, again, that we're here today and that we share and that we open up our hearts is to tell you that while we were suffering, we are now thriving. And anyone watching this today that feels at risk or vulnerable or in that pain, please know we get you. We've walked that walk, we've felt that pain, but we are here to champion the cause and tell you that we are now here for you. So when I fell through the cracks of the mental health system, I was asked the, the logical questions when you end up in a hospital bed due to overdosing, what led you here? What is the problem? What could be so terrible for you to do this? Luckily today, we are getting better at having those conversations, but suicide is something that is so misunderstood. It is stigmatized. We are marginalized. We are told time and time again that it's a cowardly act, that it's a selfish act. There is so much misunderstanding that unfortunately keeps people trapped in a silent cage, feeling as though we cannot speak up. At 19 years of age, when I woke up from my final suicide attempt, I can remember feeling so tired, feeling so angry and feeling so desperate. I just didn't know how to do life without the emotional trauma that I had carried from such a young age. And it wasn't until someone looked at me and said, how can I help you? What do you need? That everything changed for me. You see, I hid the pain that I was in. And this is what we do. We carry on, we put on a fake smile and we soldier on through our day when inside we're dying inside. And this is where I implore you, if you are suffering, if you are feeling vulnerable, if you are feeling at risk, if ever you even have a fleeting thought of ending your life, of harming yourself in such a final way, please, hand on heart, please reach out. There are services now specifically created and designed to stand alongside survivors and equip you with the resources, tools, support, and non-judgmental care and concern to help you get back on your feet and thrive. You see, back in the 90s, when I was in that place, we weren't great at talking about it. There was no campaigns or specially designed organizations catered to helping 
the struggles that someone tempted by suicide goes through. Today, globally, there is. The World Health Organization have proven and have put out study after study saying early intervention works. If you are struggling and you reach out for help, programs now can help you. The biggest thing to know is that there's nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. You are not unfixable. You've come to this planet at this time, at this purpose, by God who created you for a very specific and unique role that only you can deliver, that only you have on the inside of you. I can't duplicate what you have to offer. We need you. So please, if you need us or if you need any help, we are here for you. Please reach out. We've got your back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Renee. You are always heartwarming and just so courageous. We love you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You know, I wanted to share the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number. Um, it's 1-800-273-TALK. So if you need someone right now, that's 1-800-273-8255. I also wanted to touch on what Renee said on with Australia. The largest suicide prevention service provider is Lifeline. And each year, over a million Australians reach out to Lifeline for support. It's so important um, that we make sure we have resources and access. I wanted to introduce Nanny Blue. Nanny Blue is an entrepreneur and philanthropist. Originally from Brooklyn, New York, Blue previously entertained his audience on the stage as a performer, recording artist, and has traded in his blue spiked hair and dance moves for a suit and a laptop. He currently resides in the Sunshine State, and he finds himself encouraging and motivating his audience to chase their dreams, but also change their relationship with money and become financial literate. Thank you so much for joining us today, Manny. It is, it is, it is, it is an honor and a pleasure to be here with you all. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes, sir. Perfect, perfect. Um, again, it, it is an honor. It, it, again, it's a pleasure. There are so many people that we can touch with our experiences. And, you know, growing up, you know, I, I was always told men are not supposed to cry. Men are supposed to suck it up and deal with it, you know, and, and I grew up with that stigma, you know, my mind, oh, I can't, I can't, I'm not supposed to show my emotions. And I think that's, that has to change. And I think it's slowly changing, but it is these type of events that really, really show people that it's okay. It's human nature, what we feel, you know, and taking it back, you know, to my story when, you know, I, I contemplated suicide and I was on the verge of just, you know, pulling the trigger, you know, I wasn't thinking straight, you know, everything was cloud, uh, uh, like I was walking in a giant cloud and Again, I, I, I was afraid to show my emotions because I felt as a man, I'm supposed to, you know, suck it up and hold it in and not really express myself, which could have helped me if I actually spoken to someone. But during that process, again, I wasn't really thinking straight and what led me there, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate what a lot of people are dealing with, it's finances. You know, I was, I was drowning in debt. I was barely making it living paycheck to paycheck. 
I wouldn't even call it living paycheck because I was barely making it. But all that slowly bottled up and it got to the point that I just couldn't take it anymore. I felt if this is the way I'm supposed to live life, I don't want to live anymore. And again, thinking that I'm not, I can't express myself because I'm not supposed to do so as a man, as a father, as a husband, you know, I had people around me that I could have talked to. I just felt like I, I couldn't, you know, and I think for any, any man that's listening, any, any young man that's listening to this right now, don't be afraid to speak up and share your feelings. It is human nature. It's okay for us to feel certain ways. It's okay for us to cry. It's okay for us to feel vulnerable. It's okay. You know, and if you're going through, through a certain storm right now, I want you to know that the sun always shines after the storm. So whatever you're going through right now, hang tight. There's people around you that love you, cherish you and need you. You know, and, and again, my experience taught me so much and it let me in this path to be able to help other people, not just in the financial world, but in every aspect of life. And again, it, as men, it's okay for us to feel sad, to feel these emotions. It's human nature. And I, I think I keep, I keep talking about it because again, I, I had a conversation with another man recently where he felt the same way I used to feel. And again, it, it is these type of events that it's going to be able to help and touch other people's, other people's journey and, and relate to what each of us, because each of us have a different journey, a different story. And there's someone out there that's going to be able to relate to, to our story in some, some shape or form. And I really strive to be able to be some, some sort of beacon to be able to help others um, that are facing or feeling a certain way. But again, it is an honor and a pleasure to be here because, you know, it breaks my heart when I hear about a young kid taking their life because of whatever situation, it, it's, there's no need, there's really no need for that. Please, if you feel any way, there are so many people you can reach out to. If you don't want to talk to anybody, you know, pick up the phone. There's so many lines and resources out there for you guys. Thanks, thank you again for, for allowing me to be here. Thank you, Manny. Thank you, Manny. You bring up a really great point. You know, so many times in like these in during COVID and transition, people kind of freak out because we don't have the finances, the capacity. So I really appreciate you bringing that to light. A stressor that many, many families are facing right now. So um, if you're struggling with that, if you feel like that's something that can cause you to not have the confidence, right, to take that next step. Um, really reach out to someone that can just listen. That can be the start of it. Thank you so much. Um, I like to do some statistics here between these transitions, and I pulled up so many, and so I'd like to share one more with you. It says, how many suicides are there in the world in 2020? So there were 1.5 million. It's estimated that the global annual suicide fatalities could rise by another 1.5 million. The worldwide suicide ranks among three leading causes of death among those from 15 to 44, right when we're supposed to be living our fullest life. I'd like to introduce now our next panelist. I see her on so many panels. She's an amazing woman. Julie Juju Christopher, 
She's the founder and creator of Biz Tuition, a spiritual guide, music artist, author, healer, transformational speaker, one of the world-renowned experts on business intuition, and the host of the Mystical Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome, Juju. Welcome. Oh, you're on mute. There we are. <laughs> I was just saying I am so humble, really, truly humble and inspired by all of your light. And you know what I feel that we all come together as one. And this is such a powerful message to share with those who are you know, on the verge of thinking bad thoughts, for instance, because I too, even today, believe it or not, I have those bad thoughts. And I think it's an important message to say what? It really is a healing process, never ending healing process. And that there is no such a thing as a quick fix, right? So I'm going to share a little bit of my background, why I went through this darkness growing up as really earliest as five years old. I mean, can you imagine a five-year-old that actually don't want to be here on earth? That's how I felt. Why? Simply why? Because I felt abundant. I had learning disabilities. I could not go to school because of it. I was on the spectrum of autism and I had sexual abuse by the age of 12. I felt stupid. In fact, my mother herself used to tell me, I mean, such a, such a bad programming, right? To start off with, well, thank God you're at least pretty because you are so stupid. You won't be able to do anything. In fact, it is, success is not even an option for you. And she said, for us in our family, we're not you know, wired for success. Those successful entrepreneurs, it's only for those who have money, who have, you know, all these things. And simply, we don't have that. So make sure in your head, you start off by, well, it's okay, at least I'm pretty, but I'm so stupid. So starting with that, I used to go to bed thinking, what the heck am I doing here? What, why even being here? So my suffering was so ingrained in my, on the cellular level that I found myself just, hey, I started cutting myself. And so if you're listening to this right now, it's so important that you make that decision to share and start to speak about your suffering, about the things that you're experiencing alone in your room at night and why not? Because this is what it started with. So it started with that and well, <laughs> with among other things, uh, it was Renee that shared, you know, peel overdose and I had life and death experiences, literally woke up in the ER in a hospital and found myself outside of my body. So I had those astral projection. In fact, one of them, I didn't want to come back. I saw my body laying down and I was out there in the room thinking, this feels nice here. I don't have to deal with the world. I can just float. However, something, right, Gigi, something says what? Hey, you are needed and you are not done. 
this is my message for you. You are not done. There is a purpose for you on this rock that we're standing on. This is a re there's a reason that you're here. And your message and your voice really, truly matter today, especially today with the craziness of social media. So please understand, all of us here on the panel, we know how it is to suffer and to be in the darkness. However, there is a light. There is light. I know it because I'm here speaking about it. And there is light in you. In fact, my bigger surprise and awakening is that I found out that, or I realized who we are as child of God. And I began this conversation, this relationship with something higher than ourselves, which I kept going on that path. So that is, you know, my a little bit of my take and what really saved me and brought me back from the ashes is creativity uh, and find a way to inspire others, get plugged in with communities. You are not alone. And I send you lots of love, lots of light. And believe in you, my friend. You are so worth it. You are worthy of this life. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Juju. Thank you, Juju. Always reminding us that we are worthy. We are enough. Thank you. You know, there are three terms we need to remember. Suicide is defined as death caused by self-directed injurious behavior with intent to die as a result of the behavior. A suicide attempt is a non-fatal, self-directed, potentially injurious behavior with intent to die as a result of that behavior. The attempt may not result even in injury, but it changes our mindset. Suicidal ideation refers to thinking about this, considering or planning suicide. All of these things, listen today and listen for the factors and the behaviors that someone in your life may need you to prevent any type of suicide. Our next panelist, Victoria Finch, the heart healer. She's a parallel entrepreneur and master clinical hypnotherapist. She teaches heart-centered professionals how to make more money and manage their life with more confidence, joy, and fulfillment at work and home. She's the founder of Soul Sister Success Circle, a global sisterhood of dynamic women on a mission to empower heart-centered professional women who are struggling to show up authentically in a male-dominated wor world, accelerate into their highest potential, and shatter the glass ceiling. Welcome, Victoria. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm blessed to be here. There was a time in my life where I didn't think I belonged here. I was depressed. I was despondent. And I'm so glad that I was asked to be on this panel because I have a message for you. I remember sitting on the side of my bed thinking that no one cared about me. No one wanted me around. I grew up in a loving family. I had support system, but somehow I could not feel that love. I could not feel that support. I felt alone. And what 
I learned in that aloneness. I thought to myself, they say joy comes in the morning, but I didn't think it was going to come for me, for me. I couldn't find that joy. I couldn't get myself out of that darkness. But then I heard a voice that said, you were not meant for this. This is not what you were created to be. You were created to be light in this dark world. And I wanna tell everyone listening to the sound in my voice right now, that there is greatness in you. I heard Les Brown say this, that you were here, you were made uniquely. You were uniquely made to be here, to shine your light. There is someone that needs you here that is listening to you. The next day after I had said there would be no joy for me, the next day, no light, I got a call. I'm in the USA, I got a call from Africa. And this man said to me, he said, you don't know me, but I know you. I've been following you for a couple of years and you have helped me through some rough patches in my life. I have been watching your positivity and I have been listening to your words. I didn't know this man, but I wanna say there is someone that hears you you are seen. You. If you're in a dark place, if you feel alone, I want you to know you are not alone. You light. You are the apple of someone's eye. And there is greatness in you. There is greatness in you. And I want you to say that. I want you to feel that. Someone is watching you. Someone needs your story that only you can tell in a way that only they can hear from you and you only. There's help out there. I had to get help. I couldn't see my way out there by, out by myself. But that gentleman, he told me, he said, you are a soldier, Victoria. March on. And I just want to say, anyone that's in that dark place, you are a soldier. March on, someone is watching you, someone needs you. Pick up the phone, get help. Get help, it's there for you. We need you here. There's greatness in you. Victor Frankl, I'll leave you with this said. The last of human freedoms is one's ability to choose one's attitude despite the circumstances. And I'm gonna say, whatever your circumstances might be, you have the power to rise above because there is greatness in you. Just say every day, there is greatness in me. I was created on purpose for a purpose. And sometimes you can't get there by yourself. Reach out, reach out. There is greatness in you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you, Victoria, so much. Remember, when you're feeling at your lowest, you were designed on purpose for purpose. What a great take. Someone needs you. They're watching you. Someone needs you. Always. Always. Thank you so much for sharing today, Victoria. We appreciate you. 
according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in 2018, suicide was the 10th leading cause of death overall in the United States, claiming the lives of over 48,000 people. Suicide was the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 10 and 34, and the fourth leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 35 and 54. There were more than two and a half times as many suicides, 48,344 in the United States as there were homicides, and that was the number of 18,830. Our next panelist that I would like to introduce, Mr. Grady Taylor. And here we go. He says, do what you have to do so you can do what you want to do. And I love this quote. Born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, by his mother and stepfather, Grady has taken his dream and turned it into his own reality. He has radio stations streaming in 143 countries and has reached a listening peak of 46 million listeners. He got into talk radio and thrilled at the idea of being on the screen, making people laugh and sharing his voice. So when he had the chance, he took it. He's the creator, owner, disc jockey, and producer of DJ Grady Baby Radio. Currently, the station has a total of 8,000 listeners globally, and he obtained his music license through ASCAP, built his own podcast radio station, and started The Grady Taylor Show, a free podcast on Blogspot. Welcome, 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 Mr. Grady Taylor. Uh, thank you. Oh, uh, you know, I, I'm speechless right now. Thank you for allowing me to be here, uh, to Ms. Gigi and Mr. Keisha. I don't, I'm terrible with names. Um, I can't pronounce your name. Oh, Melanie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you uh, for allowing me the opportunity to, to share my story. Um, and I love your microphone, so I have to borrow your mic one day. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to go. I have two stories to tell. I'm going to make it short and brief. Um, the first time um, dealing with um, having suicidal thoughts. And it didn't quite work out the way I, I planned it. Um, I was 23. 20 I want to say 22 at the time and I was dating this young lady and you know everything I thought was well and everything I think she got upset me because I wouldn't go to church with her that Sunday so she's like you know go to church and you get your stuff and get out I was like I don't want to leave well she's like well you better be gone by the time I get back from church so you know I pedaled around the house I didn't pay no mind heard the garage door open I said oh shoot what am I gonna do so I took a bunch of pills right and um <laughs> and just you know just threw him across the bed. So I just played like I played, pretended that, you know, took a bunch of pills. And she came in and tried to wake me up, whatever, you know, I just laid across the bed and she saw all the pills and stuff. So she was shaking me and shaking me, waking me up. But then she started hitting me hard, like violently hard. Like, hold on, stop. You know, I said, well, that didn't work. I ain't going to do that. I'm going to try to do that no more. But I didn't know it was that, you know, it, it triggered something in her. And I didn't know that, you know, brought that out of her. But the, the second and the last time I did try to, I thought about it. I was a military spouse. My wife was deployed. And and 
you know, if anybody had been a military spouse, you home all the time. It's just you and the kids and you in a place where there's you have no family and like no support, feel like you have no support and you're just there. And just felt I just felt alone and abandoned. And it's one particular day, I think it was like a Thursday. It was a Thursday evening, afternoon, I'm sorry. And I was preparing to to um no suicide. And all of a sudden I get a knock on the door from one of my uh, fraternity brothers that never comes by the house during the work week. Uh uh, you know, he came by the house in the work truck. He said, Man, son told me to come back check on you. And I was like, Wow. I knew that was God, because I was just about to do it, you know, because I had got some rope and, you know, staged everything. And I was just, I just felt, you know, depleted, you know, and then for him to come by the house at that um, that time, it was like, I don't know, it was just, say, I want to say a saving grace to me, something like that, because you know, then I, I was told, I was, he came in, he's like, what you going to do, man? I said, man, I'm just feeling down. He's like, man, and we just sat and talked. And then he kind of talked me out of it. And uh, then he started coming by the house every day to check on me. But uh, it just, being a military spouse is really hard. Um, also, um, well, there's somebody else's story, but I witnessed another military spouse that committed suicide. Uh, and that's a very long life. If you know anybody that's married to anyone that's have a, a spouse that's deployed or in the military, reach out to them, just check on them, make sure they're okay. And, and also with a single parent when they're at home, have them, you know, just call and check on them. A lot of times being a single parent with the kids and stuff, you have no no, no outlet. It, it, it just seems like everything is on you. And I just, um, how I learn how to handle when I get those kind of thoughts, I immediately think of something that's happy that takes me away from those those thoughts and stuff like that. So the actual show, the, the Grady Taylor show is actually therapy for me. So I get to to vent and to voice <laughs> certain things when, when I'm triggered. So when y'all, when y'all listen to the Grady Taylor show, that's just me just exhaling. Um, how the y'all, y'all got me sweating. I feel like I'll kill on trial. Y'all got me in house sweating. <laughs> I'm sorry. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I just... Yeah, just reach out to somebody that's in, in need that, that you may not think that you think their life is good, but really they could be going through something. And, and a lot of times people hide their pain with laughter. Like with, with, uh, comedian Robin Williams, we thought he was just a happy guy. We didn't know he was, gonna, he was going through. He committed suicide. So you never know, um, you know, what they're going through just by their, you know, happiness or, or, or pretending to be happy. So, you know, just each just reach out to somebody and touch somebody. You never know what they're going through. That's my story. Thank you, Grady. Grady, thank you so much. I'll loan you my microphone anytime, by the way. <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you for hitting home on what an important topic, right? If you talk about veterans and military, anyone that is just alone and you go into these different cities and, and you don't have a choice because you're doing it for your family and, and yet you're alone. So it's so important if you know that, if you have someone, just to reach out. We have so many ways to be able to check on people. And so thank you for that reminder. One thing can change everybody's life, right? Uh 
our next panelist, a wonderful friend, Andrea Rojas, domestic violence, sexual assault, and suicide attempt survivor and advocate. I'm so excited for you to be here today and join us and share your story. Thank you so much. Hi, Melody. Thank you for the introduction. Thank you, Gigi, for um, um, setting this up and everyone. Glad to be here. Um, yeah, suicide. Uh, well, still, when I hear it, I get a tug in my heart. Um, how, um, you know, it's so sad that um, people are um, suicide every day. And um, the last time I uh, attempted suicide um, was in 2006. Um, it's been a while, um, but I was in a serious, I remember that year, I was in a serious depression. Um, just that year, I was in a lot of pain with the sexual abuse and thinking to myself, um, what is this pain ever going to end? And, you know, and we don't want to die. It's just, we don't want the pain to go on. <laughs> and that's the, that's really the key is that uh, we don't want to feel the pain anymore and day in, day out. Um, and when you're in a that depression state of mind, it's um, really how I was years ago. And now it's a very different state of mind. But I remember um, I was living on my own and uh, not really going to therapy and um, it wasn't really doing well on my own. And, um, you know, I told my sister, I just want to die. I just want to end it. And I had taken pills um, many times before, but this night I remember I was just really, um, you know, I really thought I was going to die um, in my heart. And I was just, you know, when you're constantly crying and crying, you can't stop. Um, I, for some reason, I called. And I remember that day my sister came by earlier and I said, I'm sorry, but um, <laughs> I, I just want to get out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. And I remember she was crying and, you know, hurt. And that, that night I called my psychiatrist. Um, I can remember Dr. Lynn Elman in New York and she saved me. I mean, she, just a few little words that she said, <laughs> Andrea, you know, she calmed me down, which I needed to be calmed down. And she said, I'm going to write you the prescription, um, you know, antidepressants and, you're going to be okay. You know, don't, um, you know, you're beautiful, you're smart. And she gave me so much positivity that I kind of, I hung on. And I think that's what we need is we think in our mind that, you know, we hate ourselves, whatever we went through abuse, um, domestic violence that, you know, really were nothing, but we need that encouragement from people, even strangers, um, to let us know that, we're going to be fine, that this pain is temporary and it is just temporary pain um, and we can overcome. So there's always hope. Um, and she helped me. And from that day on, I never attempted suicide ever again. And I got help. Uh, I got therapy. I spoke to my family and uh, all throughout uh, those three things um, I did overcome. So um just if you're listening right now or know of someone that is in depression or is being abused and think there's no way out, there is a way out. Um, even calling the hotline, if you can't afford therapy, go to your church or go, there's so many Facebook groups right now um, that you can just say the words and 
I, I do want to live and you can't overcome. Um, there's hope and a lot of people love you. You might not think so right now, um, but a lot of people love you and you're God's child. So um, you were created for a lot in this world. So I want you to know that um, if I can get through this, I know you can. Um, so suicide doesn't have to be. And also uh, we shouldn't have shame over suicide. And if you have attempted suicide with cutting, taking pills, um, using weapons, um, there shouldn't be shame. We should be able to talk about it openly and to help others overcome. So I think this is great that you all are speaking about this. And the more we speak about it, the more we can help just one person to live. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you so much. I want to repeat the hotline number because it's so important. If you're thinking about anybody that you need to talk to right now, it's a 1-800 number. It's 1-800-273-TALK. It's 1-800-273-8255. And someone will be there to listen. It's so important that we feel needed. And today, I want to bring on and celebrate some of our sponsors for the event because, you know, it's always our inner circle of people that say, you got this, you can do this, and the, the, what you're doing is important. And one of those people um, that continue to celebrate what Gigi is doing here is Rogni Sanikas. Rogni, uh, we love you. You're a founder of the World Women Conference and Awards, Women Entrepreneurs TV, and Changemakers Coach, public speaker. You are amazing, and thank you so much for everything that you do. Wow, I just, uh, the stories which I have heard today, uh, this is incredible that people have really courage to bring forth their stories, because all of those stories really have the power to save the lives of others and um, we uh, we we have built the generation which has become so soft unfortunately that we are feeling so alone even if we need to be just a little time of solitude we don't know how to do it anymore we are getting so, so much into addiction, which is our devices, the attention. And when we get the attention and at some point we don't, then we also need to be very careful what, what type of role models are we for our generation to come. Because as, as a gentleman before was uh, mentioning, we are growing boys that uh, that has been from si since the day that they can talk, always can remember that boys do not uh, cry, boys do not do this. The same goes with girls, but the thing is that um, the belief system which, which is uh, put on us unconsciously plays so much in our daily life. And uh, unfortunately also, all the circumstances that uh, surround us, we just, uh, we, we get to the point that we, we let them to define us. And then we are in very dark place. So to come out from the tunnel, you need to really find yourself first. And uh, 
And if you have the system, the support that can um, really help you with that, I think that's the, that's the biggest why we are today here, to reach out to people to say that you are not alone. Each one reaches one as well. If you are watching this and if you know and notice that someone is behaving differently, reach out. Like uh, there was someone to say, Grady, you can be the same to someone else. So just open, peek, have the courage to, to go and ask, how are you? To, to really uh, asking the questions and not because you're, you're <laughs> snobby or, 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 or want to put your nose in other places, but, but just we all see if people start to change their behavior, there is usually a reason. And uh, you as a parent need to have your eyes very much open as our kids are disposed to all the threats that the online uh, games are having. And without knowing, they can be in a situation where they think that the only solution will be suicide because they don't know how to deal those uh, those situations. So education, again, will be the key to really, really uh, tackle this, this issue as well. And thank you very much for your relentless time Gigi doing all of this work and uh, all the team Melanie and Lakisha thank you very much thank you Ragni. thank you Ragni. so important you know remembering the kids that are on all these devices right we don't really understand what they're thinking and how they're being influenced and so I think we are in this world that is constant reward and um, if we're not getting that that's just how our behavior is is being modified so uh, really important to think about and reaching out, just paying attention, being aware. Um, I'd like to celebrate our other sponsor. She has been with us every single event. She does all of these virtual assistant uh, just as a pro. This is her business. She is a corporate event planner, a set designer, a mentor, an author, Atlanta chapter leader for World Women Conference and Awards, Lakeisha James. Hello, everyone. You can see my teeth are purple, but um, I want to salute everyone for even coming out to being transparent. I know it's not easy coming up here to tell everyone your suicide attempt. Definitely hands off to you. Um, I haven't experienced a suicide attempt, but I have a daughter that tried to. Um, she used to you know, cut her arm and she was going through a lot of things in life. But what I want to say, you're not alone. It's with the support system, having a strong support system is key letting you letting you letting you know that you're not alone and we're here to support you so again kudos to you i put my hats off to you and congratulations for being the voice for the voiceless because out there someone needs to hear your story it's a lot of people that don't know how to speak about what they're going through and all the pressures of the world even what's going on in the pandemic today it's really hard you be, you know, you, you quarantine, you know, with um, your loved ones and you just get depressed and depression does lead to suicidal thoughts. So definitely know that we're here to support you. Um, I definitely want to connect with everyone outside of this event. And again, kudos for being transparent. I salute you guys today. Thank you. Thanks, Lakeisha. <laughs> you are a warrior, my friend. You're amazing. Oh. So research, right? We think of, of maybe these seasonal effects, bipolar, depression, that happens in the winter. But I pulled up this statistic, which I thought was interesting. It says research on season effects on suicide rates suggests that the prevalence of suicide is greatest during late spring and early summer. 
despite what we think about it being the cold and dark winter season months. So right now, when everything else is blooming, this is the high tide for people that are thinking about committing an attempt. This is when it is prevalent. So this is the time that we need to be aware to reach out to those that we love. I'd like to introduce our next, next panelist, and she is standing up. She gave us energy before this event. She is ready to go. Dr. Tanya Gold, she is a board certified in family and holistic medicine and has been in practice for over 20 years. She's the proud o owner of Dr. Gold's Optimal Living Institute, uh, D. Jolie. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> yes, and she believes in treating the whole person, getting her kids well long term. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Melanie, for having me. And Gigi, thank you for inviting me for this. It's a great honor just hearing Juju and Manny and Grady and all these Ragnar, all these beautiful people speaking. It just warms my heart. So it's just an honor to be here. And all the people that are on the, um, the attendees, thank you for joining in the panelists for your courage, because it does take a lot sometimes to step to the plate. Um, if I may share, um, my story, um, basically, I was actually pretty shy as a child, and I rarely smiled. Um, contrary to what Gigi knows of me, we're roommates, and literally, we smile all the time and have so much fun. But we feed off of each other, and I realized that that um, happiness, that joy, that purpose and meaning for life comes from within. So for anybody who's seated right now, and if you are in a dark room, I ask that you turn on the light, because the... Sometimes you have to do it externally to feel it internally too. So if you're seated, please stand up. If you're able to, please stand up and let's bring some energy in that room. So I just want you to take a nice deep breath. And with my story, basically I got sick um, probably about, um, about 10 years ago now, actually a little over, over 15 years ago, my twenties, I'm forgetting how old I am. I'm almost 50 now. So yeah, a while back. <laughs> so um, I had severe arthritis in my neck, one car accident away from paralysis. And I also had a severe eye condition where they said I can go blind. So nothing you want to write home about, but I just was in a lot of pain. I was suffering day in and day out, waking up screaming in pain. And my doctor said, we'll just give you more and more narcotics. But as a physician to function on narcotics, I couldn't think straight. I couldn't do my work well. So I, you know, opted not to take it, but I just suffered. And so long story short, I basically wanted to end my life and to say, I don't want to do it. I didn't actually have a plan to shoot myself or cut myself, but I was thinking of maybe I could just run in front of a car or can I run my car into something? I didn't actually do it. Thank God, because I'm here, but I, I definitely realized anything in my head is a lot bigger than if I speak it or take it out. So you know, um, bring it on paper or just get help. So I got a therapist. I knew I needed help. And definitely the hotlines are great. I've even as a physician, I've called them just to see if they actually work. I was like 24 seven, if it's 3am, is somebody really going to answer? They do. And they have that for tobacco, for alcohol, a lot of different services. So whatever you need, make sure you know there is help for you. And people do care. I mean, look at all these people on this panel. It's amazing. So I just literally... Um, got the help, I wrote down what my goals were. And I think honestly, if we can just write down if you're fearful or scared or whatever you've been through, just put it out outside of your head. Because again, it's so much bigger in our head. 
when we can find some joy. And then even the idea of faking it till you make it, there's a laughter hotline you can call on the phone to other um, people, it's anonymous, they don't know who you are and they just hear, you just hear laughter. The first time I did it, I was embarrassed to actually laugh myself. I just listened to the joy of other people. And this might be on a video where you watch little babies laughing or a funny movie, anything that brings joy to your heart. And just understand like if we, if everybody on the panel could just smile right now, I actually asked one of my patients to show me your teeth, show me your teeth. And she actually took it out. So I was like, so, <laughs> so let's all show our teeth, whatever you got, right? Braces and all, it's okay, whatever you have. <laughs> and then I want everybody to take a nice deep breath in. Raise your arms if you're able to, and a nice, ah, oh, it's gonna be okay. Let's take a nice deep breath. This time, just bring a big hug to your, to your heart right here and just rock your arms side to side. Feel those arms, and this is the people of all the people that who love you, people you haven't met yet who love you, the people you know who love you, and sometimes the people there from heaven that love you right now, and they're sending their warmth on you right now. Remember, you're never alone, and people in your heart where sometimes they transition in life, they completed their life, you take them with you through, through your life. So understanding that we are God's gifts, we're cherished, and if you can just repeat after me, I am blessed. I am blessed. Maybe you can unmute for a moment. I am blessed. I am a gift in this world. I am a gift in this world. I am loved. I am loved. I am loved. Yes. And I am worthy. I am worthy. I am enough. Let me hear you. Let me hear you. I'm enough. I am enough. I'm enough. And I am beautiful. And I am beautiful. Own those words. I am beautiful. I am beautiful. And I am a blessing. Again, I'm a blessing in this world. I am a blessing in this world. I'm God's gift. I am God's gift. Let's take that all in right now. Feel that heart. You're alive. And it's amazing when you have that attitude of gratitude, just appreciation for all the gifts you do have. Sometimes, again, I've had a patient who's 99 years old, and she said, every day above ground, if I'm above the green, is a good day. So remember, sometimes we have these, you know, sites, I have to get this done, that done, but sometimes just being alive, appreciative, can you see today? Is your heart still beating today? Are you, do you have a voice? Can you speak? Are you breathing today? Are you able to move today? What can you move? Anything that you're able to still do, appreciate what, what you do have in this world. And that is also what helped me heal. I started laughing more <laughs> as, as I'm sharing with you. So the laughter hotline was my, my lifeline. And honestly, I'm going to just change a word because I do believe words matter. Um, for survivor, I'm going to say for all of you on this panel and the attendees, you are thrivers. You're not just surviving, you are thriving. So give yourself credit, appreciate you because you are amazing and know that you can achieve. You got to believe and you got, you can achieve. And if you don't believe yet, keep moving, just put the actions. You know, sometimes they say, I got to do something. If you do something, it actually dispels the fear. Action trumps fear. So it's a, a great way to just go forward, move, do something, even if it's something small, it might just be making a phone call to someone and to say, I love you. It might be writing a letter. You know, those are old school, but I just received a wonderful 
heartfelt letter from my dance teacher saying I love you and that you're cherished in my life. But can you imagine just putting those words to heart? A little sticky note for somebody or an email, whatever you can do to just send out love to, to each other. So from my story to yours that I really care and I feel so honored to be here today. Thank you. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you, Dr. Gold. What a wonderful presentation to remind us to love ourselves, right? Thank love you. ourselves first. Yeah, yeah. Can't love anybody else until you love yourself. And Absolutely. sometimes it just not easy. So no, <laughs> I'm not going to remember. Right? You know, they say the small steps, sometimes the simplest or the easy steps are the ones we don't take because they are hard. So <laughs> just know that we know to do something, even if it's just literally saying it. I love you and say it out loud. I love you. Look in the mirror into your eyes and say, I love you. I love you and you and you and you and you and you and you. And you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think what resonates again and again with every single person is reach out for help, right? If you feel like you can't do it on your own, being connected. One of these research studies just reminds us being connected to family and community support, having easy access to health care, all of these things can decrease our thoughts. So I want to introduce someone. I'm really excited to hear his story. Mr. Barry Ball comes to us from, he was born in St. Louis, the oldest of nine siblings. Um, those two things, he says, made him who he is, a servant leader. So throughout his high school years, he immersed himself in the JROTC programs at various schools, and he ultimately rose to be the top cadet in the city. He led to wanting to be, uh, pursue a career in the military and wanted to be the first person in his family to graduate from a four-year institution. And he did both. He's a graduate of the United States Mil Military Academy at West Point and has a bachelor's degree of science in sociology with a track in systems engineering. He served active duty in the U.S. Army as a transportation officer, and as a, he served as a paratrooper in the 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg in North Carolina. His career ended suddenly when he received a mental health diagnosis. And today he's a speakerpreneur, leadership enthusiast, and a veteran entrepreneurship coach. Welcome, Barry Ball. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. So I want to thank all the hosts uh, and say thank you. Yes. What I would like to say is I have failed. Despite everything you heard in my bio, I have failed. And there's two specific times that I would like to share with you. And since it's 2021, what I would invite you to do is step into your time machine, set it to the life of Barry Ball, and let's go on a little journey. First stop is 2007. All right, now that we've arrived, I want you to see this was a time where I possessed a gun. And it's, 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 it's many times I've told this story, it's, it's today that I finally processed that I wanted to use this gun to end the pain that I was in, the domestic violence that was going on, the poverty, going to sleep hungry at night. I wanted to use this gun to end the pain. 
but I didn't know how to operate it. And as I put the gun to my head, there was a, there was a small voice that said, do not squeeze the trigger. And I didn't. I took it to the basement. And I just said, what if this was loaded? What would have just happened? And I squeezed the trigger and it went off. I failed to end the pain at that moment. Now, what I would like for you to do is just hop back into your time machine and set it to 2017 and let's make our way. But as we make our way to 2017, I want you to look to the left of your time machine and see me going to work to get my family out of the homeless shelter. Now look to your right and you can see me graduating from the United States Military Academy at West Point. Okay, we've arrived to 2017 where I am sitting in the car with the garage door closed and the engine is on. And I have told myself that I am done because my career is over, because I have a baby on the way that I wasn't prepared for. I told myself that I was gonna end it then. But yet again, that small voice said, hey, Barry, you're not done. Turn the car off, get out of the car, raise the garage door and carry on. Yet again, in that moment, I failed. So what I would like for you to do now is hop back into the time machine and set it to today. And as we make our way there, you can see me as a proud and present father and a business founder. If you don't take anything else, I just want you to take two things as I wrap this up. First, perspective is everything. Because when I possessed that gun, I could have saw that as the opportunity to protect my, my family from it and know that it wouldn't be turned against them from uh, an oppressor. And in 2017, I could have saw this new life as a new purpose me, with me getting out of the military and bringing my life into this world. So please remember perspective is everything. And the second thing that I will leave you with is trust the process. No, really fall in love with it. Because if you fall in love with it, you really will trust it. I am Barry Ball, and I just want to say I have failed. But that does not make me a failure. And it does not define me. John C. Maxwell says that failure is just a stepping stone to success. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. Barry, thank you so much. And wow, congratulations for believing in yourself to make everything better. That's where it starts. You changed your whole mindset and changed your life. So congratulations. You know, suicide and suicide attempts cause serious emotional, physical, and economic impacts, as we've heard. People who attempt suicide and survive may experience serious injuries, that can have long-term effects on their health. They may also experience depression and other mental health concerns. We've talked about this again and again through COVID.
COVID and what the effects are going to bring. Please pay attention to those that you love. I'd like to introduce our next panelist, Mary Kay Holmes. She's a number one international best-selling author, UN ambassador, motivational speaker, empowerment specialist, mentor, certified life coach, and New York City tax attorney. Dr. Mary Kay Holmes is living out her assignment to inspire everyone she encounters. Described as the comeback queen, she's determined to share the good news with you that you can come back from every setback. Welcome, welcome, Mary Kay Holmes. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to share my story. So I'm just gonna share my journey. Every single one of us has a story. And some of us have been through some unimaginable trauma in our lives. And I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to hit rock bottom and to look up and feel as if the weight of the world is just too much to get up and start all over again. At times like that, the easiest thing to do is give up. And I felt like that. I felt like giving up. I felt like giving up when I was forced to have an abortion at 14 years old. I felt like giving up when I was bullied by the popular kids at my school and laughed at because I couldn't afford the latest clothes. As I got older, I felt like giving up after being human trafficked and abused and prostituted and found myself homeless with two small children to feed. I remember making the rounds at local food pantries and bringing my children to the library just so they can have a warm place to play and do their homework. And I definitely felt like giving up when I lost custody of my children and ended up serving time in prison. I lost hope. I felt worthless, useless, and I felt like a failure. And after attempting suicide, not once, not twice, but five times, it was like I was just crushed by the weight of the trauma that had happened in my life. And while I was sitting in that prison cell, I had an awakening because through my trauma, I started appreciating the value of time. When I was locked away in that small apartment by my trafficker, I understood the value of time. When I was trapped in a seven year abusive relationship, I learned the value of time. When I was sitting in that prison cell, I learned the value of time. And after attempting suicide five times, I started to appreciate the value of time because I survived each and every one of them. And upon my release from prison, I decided I had no time to waste. So I hit the ground running and I decided that education was gonna be my key to my transformation and my escape from poverty. And when I made that decision, everything I had chased in the world started to come and sit at my feet because I got focused, I got determined and I gained victory over self-pity because it all starts with a, with a decision, right? How many of us know that you can change your situation anytime you decide to make a choice? I also understood that I had to get up, get moving despite my mistakes in life. I had to realize it was a new day. And if I wanted to dust myself off and start fresh, I had to own my story and be unapologetic about my past. So I re-enrolled in college, graduated with my bachelor's. After that, I had the audacity to apply to law school in spite of my criminal record. And after being accepted by a law school, offered a full scholarship and later rejected because of my criminal record, my life changed when I persisted and was accepted into a better law school, passed the bar on my first attempt. And now I'm in-house counsel for an investment and insurance firm in New York City. 
Today, I've dedicated my life to helping others by launching Outlive the Labels, an international movement with a mission to support survivors of trauma and amplify the voices of those unknown, unseen, unheard. And through my collaborative book projects, also titled Outlive, Outlive the Labels, I empower survivors to share, write, and publish their stories, and many of them become authors for the first time. So my message to you today is this. Like me, you might have gone through some trauma, and like many others, you might have gone through some setbacks. But time is ticking, so stop tripping over trauma. Stop lingering in the losses. You can write the book. You can start the podcast. You can launch the business. You can invest in yourself and live your dreams because I'm living proof that you can live beyond limits, you can break down barriers, and you can dream big. I'm just going to leave you with a few strategies that I use over the years to help me to stay positive, stay focused, and take charge of my destiny. First, I sought therapy. I got help. I having a licensed, trained professional to talk to about my problems and getting my issues out of my head and having someone to walk me through viable solutions that empowered me. And number two, I learned that laughter and smiling works wonders. Tanya was absolutely right when she talked about the smiling. When you smile, your brain can't tell the difference between a fake or a real smile. And it not only helps your mental health, but it improves your phys physical health as well. Smiling, it releases a chemical reaction in the brain uh, and it releases hormones like dopamine, which increase, increases happiness and serotonin, which reduces stress. And third, finally, I surround myself with positivity things that remind me of where I'm going. And as long as I have a future to look forward to, I have a reason to keep going. I have a reason to get out of the bed every day. I have my vision boards on my wall in my office and I have quotes around me to remind me of where I'm going and some of the things that I want to do. And it reminds me that greater is coming. And if you can't afford all the wall decor and all of that stuff, just print something out and frame it. <laughs> I have a sign in my office that says, smiling is good for the soul. I'm looking at it right now. Another one says, make good use of today. Another one says choose kindness. Another one says she's going places. My pencil holder says she, she led a life of endless possibilities. My coffee mug says caffeine and confidence. My plaque behind me says fueled by Jesus and coffee. I don't think you all, all can see it. My plaque in front of me has a scripture. It says, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. I'm Dr. Mary Kay Holmes, certified life transformation coach, three-time best-selling author, magazine publisher, international speaker, and podcast host, and survivor of multiple suicide attempts. I'm here to help you share your story, overcome setbacks, and yes, outlive labels. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Mary Kay. Wow. <laughs> I am so proud of you, girl. <laughs> I'm your biggest fan. You're just amazing. You're amazing, my friend. Anybody can do anything, right? If you feel like you're down and out and you have no hope, just listen to that story again. Um, unbelievable. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you were on this panel. Every single one of you is adding value to all of us. I want to talk about the financial toll. So the financial toll of suicide in our society is costly. Suicides and suicide attempts cost the nation over $70 billion per year in lifetime medical and work loss cost alone. That is tremendous. And we can make a difference by just reaching out to people that we know and giving them a smile, a hug, and love. Our next panelist, Joe Constantine, 
so excited that you're here today. You have a bachelor's degree in engineering from University of Rhode Island, uh, a diploma from personal training and nutritional consultation, a National Personal Trainer Institute, Certified Life Coach, Transformation Academy, and National Strength Training Education Presenter. Welcome today. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's been nothing short of inspiring hearing the others talk about their stories. And Gigi reached out to me a few weeks ago when a friend connected us to ask what I've been through. And <clears throat> it's um, it's tough as a as a kid. The, the, the small kid and can never even remember back to when everything started and dealing with bullying and dealing from dealing with all sorts of abuse that you can imagine from from my brother. Um, it felt invisible, felt unwanted. I'd go to school and get bullied. I'd go home and get beat up and anything else you can imagine. And you just start to question, why am I here? What am I doing? And one day at school, something happened and I decided it was time. And a teacher interrupted it. And it was kind of brushed under the rug. Nobody really thought much about it. So I kind of felt, well, really, I mean, nobody does care. And a year later, it happened again. And the school told my family, now oh, he just wants attention. He's, he's just looking for attention. He just, he just wants to be in the spotlight. And once again, I felt nobody cares. I'm invisible. And over the years, I just kind of fought back the urges and I guess kind of accepted that I was broken, that what good am I, but just gonna, gonna keep going forward, gonna keep going forward, gonna keep going forward. And went through college, did what I was supposed to do. But one of the things that helped me the most is I discovered a magical place called the weight room, where I was able to strengthen myself and empower myself. And I grew. <laughs> I wasn't the smallest kid anymore. Um, I got strong and it, it helped to build some confidence in myself. <clears throat> now, definitely helped a lot, but it was still never enough. There was still always those, those dark thoughts. It was still always the, the voices in my head just telling me, you're not you're nothing. You're not worth anything. You're garbage. Um, and there was just so much in my past that made me believe these things. And, you know, went through a failed marriage. And after that, I met my wonderful wife who, who saw through all of it. And after a lot of real dark periods, she has really pulled me to find my purpose. And one of the things that I spend a lot of my time doing these days is, is working with kids, helping the kids that they're bound to, to go through the stuff. They're bound to have the problems. They're, and I don't want them to be what I was. And their experience is going to define their life. But as you know, many people say, we don't have to be imprisoned by our trauma. We don't have to, um, our experiences don't need to be a life sentence. 
<laughs> so it's been a an adventure the last few years to transitioning from a from a career in engineering where most people look at me and say, "Wow, wow, he's so successful. He's doing so much good." And I was miserable. I hated it. And I left it, went back to school for exercise science and strength and conditioning, and most recently life coaching. And I've found myself working with kids who who have these troubles, who I believe can benefit from working in the weight room. It's, it's centered around training. It's centered around strength. It's centered around building confidence and the life lessons that kids can, can learn from that, that they, that they need to learn from. And one thing that if there's a message I want to get across to people, it's talk to your kids. Um, don't think that talking about suicide is going to put that thought in their head. They've thought of it. If they haven't, they know somebody who has. And just hearing, are you okay? How's it going? How can I help? I think is the, the most powerful message that most of these kids need to hear. And letting them feel validated, let them feel valued and understanding that there is a path forward. And I'm grateful that I'm here. Uh, I didn't always feel that way. Um, I had a lot of anger towards the teachers who helped me because I was just, I was done. But now that I've found a purpose and I found the ability to help kids that were me, it's definitely helping me, um, helping me a great deal. And I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing that. And uh, Gigi, I thank you so much for including me in this. So I can, if I can reach one person who can talk to their kids or can find somebody who does stuff like me, who can help their kids then it was all worth it. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Joe, so much. Gosh, it resonates, right? The message, it's not about us. It's about our journey for others. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story today. You know, suicide is preventable. Everyone has a role to play to save lives and create healthy and strong individuals, families, and communities. Suicide prevention requires a comprehensive public health approach, and the CDC has developed a package. It's called Preventing Suicide. It's a technical package of policy, programs, and practices. You can go to their website and download that. Our next panelist today, Kellen Fluckager, an author of 13 books, and numerous bestsellers, Kellen coaches an international clientele in business, inner work, and high performance. Welcome to the panel, Kellen. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you. I appreciate being here and appreciate the opportunity to talk. Every single person believes at some level that the trauma, difficulty, and struggle that they have is the most difficult that can possibly be imagined. Now we think that in our heart of hearts, even though we know other people have stuff and difficult things and we can look and say that was more difficult. What I know about myself is my journey started when I was a kid, like many of those that you've heard. And that is, I think my first experimentation with drugs to escape was when I was like 12. But I went through most of my life trying to do it right, trying to 
hide, trying to do what I was supposed to do, and never talking to anyone. And that went on for 40 years. So for 40 years, I lived a double life where I was extremely successful, made money and had positions and people looked at me and thought I had everything. And behind the scenes, I burned through relationships. I was a drug addict. I was in and out of rehab. I was one of those high performing people that has the double life. You could have made a movie about all the stuff that happened. Finally, about 15, 13 years ago, I'm 65 now. So when I was about 52 or 51, I started trying to kill myself in earnest. So the attempts were serious. I mean, I went online to figure out how much overdose of the particular thing that I was enamored with which was cocaine at the time and how much alcohol would kill you. And I did both of them at the same time. Another time I drove my 850 horsepower car and crashed it on purpose and ended up with a branch a quarter of an inch from my left eyeball, you know, and what was clear to me, and there were three or four other attempts. What was clear to me is that God had other plans. And one of the most important things that I want to leave you with is that you're a divine being. You have a reason to be here. I don't care what you've been through. My childhood was full of abuse and physical things, like I said, and I started running away and doing stuff when I was a kid. But the dance doesn't matter. What matters is that you make a choice at some point that you're going to own your life, that you're going to keep it. It's mine. And I'm not going to let anybody take it away from me. And when you do that, you have the opportunity to connect with the divine gifts you have, the divine mission that you have, and then do something to lift and bless the hearts and lives of others. My final thing was a couple of years ago, I died in the hospital here. I had a bug that was 100% mortality rate. We talk about COVID at two or 3%. And I was in a coma for three weeks and had a near-death experience. And I've read one of the 13 books. And in that visit with God, it was a reaffirmation of what I'm telling you here. Every one of us, without exception, is a divine being with gifts and talents. I need yours. I need you whoever you are, whatever you have, to bless my life. Today, as a coach, I work with clients around the world. And even when they come for money, I help people write books and build business and do all the stuff that, you know, you think of as a coach. But the most important thing we ever work on is who they're being. And that not good enough. And that imposter and that failure and all of those things. So if the thing I leave you with is a certain knowledge that you have value, Everyone needs you, but I raise my hand. I need you. I want to see your work. I want to see your light. I want you to feel loved, appreciated, and known. And I want to read your book and see your contribution. I want to be part of that growth. And yes, I survived multiple stupid suicide attempts. I call them stupid now, but at the time they were all that there was available. Because at that moment, when you look in the mirror and you know that everything you've ever heard about you is true and you see nothing in the future except I should go now. That moment is the time you remember there is another way.
and take control of your own life. If I can help anyone, the only reason I get up and breathe every day is to help people discover, develop, and manifest their divine nature and gifts. It's my mission. It's my purpose. I have a podcast and all that other stuff, books and everything else, but there's only one purpose, and that's to help you live, grow, shine, and be all that you were created to be. Gigi, thank you for your work on this and all the other panels. The stories and panelists before me have been amazing. Thanks for this opportunity to give love and encouragement to every single person watching this today. Thank you, Kellen. Kellen, thank you so much. I am so inspired by you. And you know, the next segment that I'm reading, I just think, oh my goodness, it rings true. No matter what your age, like you can do anything that you set your mind to, no matter what you have been through in your life. This says close to 800,000 people die due to suicide every year, which is one person every 40 seconds. Suicide is a global phenomenon that occurs throughout your lifespan. Effective and evidence-based interventions can be implemented at population and subpopulation and individual levels to prevent suicide attempts. There are indications that for each adult who died by suicide, there may have been more than 20 others attempting. So important. These numbers are staggering. I wanted to introduce our next panelist. So excited that you're joining us today. Debbie Dobinier is a global emotional resilience consultant and holistic counselor. She was transformed her life to become a beacon of light to help others suffering in adversity, fear, severe lack of self-confidence and self-esteem. She failed suicide three times and overcame extreme clinical depression and prolonged mental domestic abuse. And so she knows what it takes to come back and control and transform one's life. Her story is one of extreme courage and focus and resulted in a complete transformation that has seen her rise to become a highly esteemed expert on contemporary emotional and trauma recovery. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me, Gigi. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm just thrilled to be here to be able to share my story. And um, it started many, many years ago when I was eight years old. I was very badly bullied at school. At the same time, I was also being emotionally bullied at home, being told at the age of nine years old that I was a mistake, that I was a hole in a condom. At nine years old, I didn't even know what a condom was. So I didn't really understand it other than I was a mistake. And that actually stuck with me for most of my life. And I lived in victimhood for 38 years, uh, constantly jumping from, a re well, going from the relationship that I had at home to a relationship where I got married and jumped out of the frying pan into the fire and the um, emotional abuse continued and I was just deflated. I was told I wasn't good enough. All my life I'd been told I wasn't good enough. All my life I'd told me, I'd been told, you know, I would never amount to much. Um, who did I think I was? I was told to one day to get down off my pedestal. 
I didn't even know I was standing on one and I was told to get down off it. And all that abuse mentally was just too much for, for me to take. And it was just a continuous turmoil and I spiraled down the proverbial rabbit hole um, and went full, full down in clinical depression. Uh, failed three attempts at suicide. The third time I failed and I woke up um, in the hospital and I said I should never have survived it because I actually um, cut the brakes on my car and drove it into a brick wall. And when I actually woke up, I was so angry. I have never experienced anger like it since. It was so strong, the anger. And the anger came from um, the reasons why I was removing myself from this world. And that was, I'd always been told for many, many years that I wasn't a fit mother. So all, you know, um, I think it was the fit, all eight years of my son's, my son's life to, to the, the, the day that I uh, failed the third time. And I was so angry because I was removing myself from this earth to re so that my son could have a better life without the toxic person in his life, because that's who I believed I was. That's who I'd been made to believe I was. And two weeks after I survived that, that third attempt, I woke up in the middle of the night um, on top of my bed, very disheveled, fully clothed. My ex-husband had gone by this time and um, I felt something in my hand and it was an empty red wine bottle. And I'd never really drank before. But what hit me more than anything was my little boy was asleep next door, in the room next door. And at any moment in the night, he could have walked in and seen me. And as I sat up in the bed and swung myself round to face the door, I had a vision of my little boy and his little face was here. My little boy's 28 now and it still chokes me when I talk about it. But that little boy's face, the tears streaming down his face, made me realise that my little boy needed me. And that was the start of my journey back to being the person that I deserve to be on this earth. We each and every one of you who are watching um, today, each and every one of you has a purpose on this earth. And if you don't know what that purpose is, reach out, reach out and talk about it. Talk about who you are, who you want to be. If you don't know who you want to be, surround yourself with the people who will show you how you can become the person you were meant to be. And my little boy was the person who showed me um, how, how I could transform and become the person I was meant to be. And I began to make choices, choices that got me to where I am today, choices that showed me my purpose on this earth, 
because each and every one of us has a purpose on this earth. Each and every one of us has and lives in our own uniqueness. And that uniqueness is and should always be allowed to thrive. So I made those choices to change my life, to transform my life. At the age of 47, I got a first class honours degree. The only person in my family who ever went to university. That in itself was massive for me, you know, and it, and it just allowed me then to just take more steps and more steps and better myself and better myself. So I was no longer a toxic person in anybody's life, never mind my son's. So if there's one thing that I can leave you with tonight, it is this, and it's something that I say every single day, choose life, choose freedom, but most of all, choose you just like I did. Thank you, Gigi, for the opportunity to share my story. And, you know, anyone out there, reach out, talk. You know, it's, I know it's difficult to talk to someone who's close to you, but reach out. There is always someone there with their, held, their hand held out for you. So choose life, choose freedom, and choose you. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Debbie. What a great reminder to build our inner circle. You know, so many times we're so afraid because we think they're just, they show up in our life, they're our family. Sometimes that's not true. We have to really be intentional about building the people that are going to give us that hope and, and that courage so that we can make the life that we are purposed for. So thank you for reminding us about that. You know, there was another study that examined successful suicides among those who made prior attempts. And it found that one person in 25 had a fatal repeat attempt within five years. That's alarming. I think about everybody on the panel here that has said multiple times they have either thought or attempted. And so it's so important, right? Again, if you know someone and you're aware, if they're feeling like they don't belong, reach out. Our next panelist is Samantha Foster, Lifehouse Project. This was birthed through the suffering and trauma of one woman's life. Betrayed, beaten, starved, molested, raped, and kidnapped, and held physically and financially hostage. All parts of the terrifying cycle of domestic violence. Samantha Foster began this venture in hopes of ending violence and abuse against women and children. We are united as one worldwide force to create change. We are now known as the Lifehouse Project Movement, and you can find that at hashtag Lifehouse Project. Welcome, Samantha. Thank you, Melanie. It's been quite the journey for me. And thank you so much, Gigi, for inviting me. I've, I was a little bit nervous coming on a panel of, of suicide um, attempt survivors. But my, my first attempt, though, I was a little girl. And all of, all of those things that you described is what I was living through from the age of three up to the age of 48. And my first attempt, I think I was probably around nine, 10 years old. And 
it is, um, and I loved what when the panelists said, it's about wanting to leave the pain. There is so much pain. You don't know why God hates you. You don't know why you're forsaken. And you just want to leave all the pain and the hurt. And I actually, you know, thought about suicide many, many times in my life. I would pray. I actually prayed to God numerous times, please kill me. Please kill me. It's, been just, it's just been a really hard, long journey. The last time, and I never thought that this was actually an act of suicide, but now that I think about it, um, is when I was kidnapped in um, January 24th of 2017, uh, 18, excuse me, 2018. And when he went and he told me, I'm going, to go, I'm going to go get a knife, I'm going to kill you. And he said some other words in there, but I didn't move. I thought about my children at that moment and I didn't move. And I said, okay, my kids are not here anymore. I've lost everything. So it, it's my time and I get to die. I didn't do anything to save my own life. I was waiting. So obviously I lived through it and I was angry. I was very angry. Why didn't I get to die? And numb, I felt void. And he did end up in prison. I had to go to jury, a grand jury, then a jury trial. And I did it on my own. I did it by myself. And through this whole process, I was just pretty numb. There was a lot of fear. There was scared. What am I going to do with my life now? I lost it. There, there was just, there was a switch in me when that happened. Something turned over in my life. And when the prosecutor looked at me and she said, Samantha, how did you do it? Please tell me so we can help other women. And I knew that was the time that I'm going to do something. I told her, I'm going to come back. And when I figure it out, I'm going to do something about it and I'm going to help. So I haven't been back to Oregon yet, but I'm headed back there. And it's going to be with the Lifehouse Project because I figured it out. We've got to be our own hero, but we also need to be a light for others who are living in the darkness, who are in that pit, because sometimes they can't see a way out. So we need to give them a way out. So I'm coming in sideways. I'm coming in through the back because we got a lot to deal with the court systems also that don't make it easy for us victims. A lot of um, people who want to commit suicide, they lose hope in so many different ways and directions. Take a woman who's been victimized, take her children away. What does that leave her with? And nobody's going to fight for her in court. And she's constantly being abused. So we're here to give others hope. So this is me coming back <laughs> from that dreadful night and me building upon my journey that I went through to give a light and a beacon of hope for others and for other women but we need to be our own hero. Sometimes we just need to be shown how to be our own hero. So don't lose hope. Thank you, Samantha. 
Thank you so much, Samantha. You know, you can be the light, right? Remembering we can be the light. Good luck on your journey. I was looking through my notes here of, we've mentioned guns. So many people have talked about, you know, taking a firearm and if it didn't go off or I didn't know how to use it. And this statistic says most people who attempt suicide change their mind. They wrote, adding that most often firearms are the thing that do not allow us to change the mind because the professionals cannot arrive on time to save us. And thus, 51% of people who try to commit suicide die by firearms. For our next panelist, Emma Stowell. She's a wife, mother of three, and a former teacher who lives in Pleasant Point, New Zealand. Connor, can you stop that? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Since early childhood, she dreamed of writing stories that would capture readers' hearts. But life got in the way. Dealing with abuse, PTSD, and drug addiction, she turned down her scholarship. And soon after, she dealt with the addiction and got clean to become a teacher and then a mother. After she had her three children, she realized she still had a dream and experience that she could draw from to write an amazing story. She specializes in breaking contemporary romance boundaries, combining mental health, poetry, and romance. Her novel, Beautifully Broken, is the first in the hashtag good girl Hashtag Bad Girl Trilogy, and it was based on experiences with abuse, PTSD, and drug addiction. It's all about becoming yourself and staying hashtag beautifully broken. Thank you and welcome, Emma. Hi, um, glad to be here. So um, my um, Everything started early for me as well. Watching a lot of these people speak, it started very young for me. Um, I know my auntie said I had abuse before I can remember and uh, spent my life um, abused at home, beaten up at school, uh, social anxiety. And um, when I was 12, my older brother, he committed suicide. So um, he was my half-brother, so um, I never got the details and I don't generally speak about what happened with him because I think that's his journey and my brother who found him, their side of the story. But he went through very similar to what I experienced and it led a very downward trajectory on my own life. Um, I ended up as a teenager living in a flat full of um, people on drugs, very fast became a drug addict. I don't remember how many suicide attempts I did in that time. It was a very hazy time when, you, when you're taking drugs and you're so far down in that cycle. Um, but one I want to talk about was I decided to take a whole lot of pills um, and I stockpiled my sleeping tablets because I wasn't sleeping. And I just took them all. And when I came to, my mouth was completely dry. I was covered in vomit, um, splitting headache. And I went to grab the water and my hand didn't work. 
So I crawled to the bathroom and I just sat there trying to drink water, but continuously vomiting um, it all back up for a few hours. Uh, then I got a phone call from my best friend. So the reason I want to bring up this time is how easy it is for people um, in that situation to lie about how well they are. Um, I'd spent, found out when I talked to her that I'd spent two days unconscious because um, she said to me, oh, did you watch something on TV? And I said, oh, no, that was, that's tonight. And she said, no, that was yesterday. And I realised I'd been unconscious two full days. Um, and she said, oh, what's wrong with you? And I just said, nothing, I'm fine. And um, unconscious two days, covered in six, shaking, and I still managed to say, I'm fine. Um, I decided to tell a guy that I trusted my um, how far down I got, and he got me into his flat. Unfortunately, that flat was also addicts, and he started to abuse me. So there was rape, physical abuse, same thing I'd always had. Um, I got pregnant and he beat me up till I lost the baby. And I came home from hospital, was planning another attempt, and I decided I needed to drink to, you know, get the courage up. So I was there drinking and was just about to go ahead and do what I was going to do. And there was a knock on the door and there was a... Uh, someone looking for an ex-flatmate and I didn't know them and they said oh can we come in and hang out and so they came in hung out and my stomach was still quite big and they asked if I was pregnant and instead of breaking down and telling them oh I've lost my baby and crying which in hindsight might have been a better thing to do but I'd never opened up to anyone and the last time I did it ended up badly so of course, I lied and said, yes, I'm still pregnant and um, I'm allowed to do whatever I want because um, they said, why was I drinking? And I just sculled the bottle of vodka and they thought they left. And I was very lucky that I'd done that because, in a way, because it put me unconscious. And when I came to, I was hemorrhaging, vomiting, and I just closed my eyes and said, dear Lord, if you are real, you will get me out of this because I'd never prayed, never had God in my life, but that's all I had at that moment was to pray. So I prayed and I said, I need to get out of this because next time I'll just jump off a bridge. I won't even muck around. That will be that because I can't keep doing this. Um, years of it by then. Um, and yeah, within three weeks, I had applied to college, moved across town and met my now husband. Um, so I became a teacher and did that. And I started to feel suicidal again um, when I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and couldn't physically work anymore. And I thought my purpose is gone. I can't teach. But um I decided to write a book and that's been the best decision ever and it it blends fiction and my life story together and it was the best thing to be able to heal myself and to also be able to heal others as well. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Emma. Wow. What just amazing to be able to to still be able to tell that story. Yes. <laughs> Unbelievable. <Yeah>. Just, <laughs> you know, thank you for believing enough in yourself, right? Mm. 
it came with when I was listening to someone else, I realized it was a decision that when I was praying that night, I woke up in the morning and I just thought, no more. <laughs> There's going to be no more trialing, trying it and no more even thinking about it. And it is a daily renewal. You do need, you know, work on your well-being um, continuously over your life. You're a beautiful person. Thank you. Can't wait to read your book. Your book. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> for being on the panel today. Thank. In 2016, suicide ranked as the tenth leading cause of death among Americans. It's the second leading cause of death for those under the age of 35. I wanted to introduce our next panelist, Laura Schoenfeld, owner of Inner Enlightenment, a business built around connecting your inner light and the child within through stillness, creativity, play, and self-expression. She's also the host of Inner Enlightenment Show. Her goal and focus is to turn a negative experience into something positive through writing, speaking, and teaching. Welcome, Lori. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me here. I am so grateful to be here and I so appreciate the panelists and that we're raising awareness on this topic. Um, I did not think that I would be here right now. I did not think that this would ever be a possibility that I would be on this side helping to gain awareness and I'm extremely grateful. I want everyone to know that's watching that there's always a possibility. I know in that moment, it does not feel like there is any other way, but there are so many people rooting for you all around you. And there is always light to get you to the other side. Um, I grew up with all forms of abuse within my home. And um, I remember feeling two things, very confused that I must be doing something wrong, that something was wrong with me, that I was unlovable. Um, I also thought I started learning that this was normal. This must be normal. Like everyone beats on their kids. There's violence in the home. This is how you're supposed to be loved in these sexual forms. And I didn't know any different. Um, that's what I lived in. And so I continued to feed off that um, and look for other relationships and friendships as I got older within relationships in exactly the same thing, because that's all that I knew. Um, looking for validation, uh, trying to find ways to heal the pain through any form of medication through um, being a people pleaser, being essentially what anyone needed me to be, I became. And going on, I got married. I had a family, which I wanted. Um, I still was exactly though what I thought other people needed me to be. And about five years ago, I got to a point where I tried, I felt at that time I had tried everything. I did, I tried to be every other person other than myself. And I was so depressed and numb. I felt like this cannot be my life. And if this is my life, I don't want, I don't want to do it anymore. 
And I sat in my shower and I was really in the mind headspace of, you know, my husband could do better without me. I really felt that as I was looking in the mirror, I did not see one single thing beautiful about me. And so I felt that deeply to my core. Um, I felt my kids could do much better without me as their mother. And there was one thing that paused me as I was sitting in the bathroom and I was crying and I was ready to end everything. On the other side of the wall, I heard my three beautiful children laughing. So I want you to think about that for a minute of a child that you know, whether it's your own, whether it is a family friend, a neighbor, but a child's laughter. And I listened. And it paused me long enough to remember that when I was eight years old, I remember finding my mother also on the kitchen floor trying to end it all. And I remember thinking to myself, why does she want to leave me? And as I sat there and I thought about that, I thought about not only little Lari, but I thought about my kids and how I did not want them to have that same feeling of why did my mommy want to leave me? And that, I did have a death that day, but it was not a physical death. Um, once I stood back up, it was letting go of the lorry that I thought that I needed to be. And I had a rebirth of unlearning every single thing that I had learned and being willing to start again so that I could give those three beautiful children in the next room a new possibility. You cannot give someone a new possibility until you start with yourself and you show yourself what love looks like for you, which means relearning everything in a new way. And once you start doing that step-by-step, step, then you can start bringing that into your family, your business, your friendships, and your relationships. But it has got to start first and foremost with you taking those, those small steps every single day. I'm still on that journey. I'll be on that journey for the rest of my life. And that's what it should be. I mean, I just want to leave you today with remembering that you are the light that someone is looking for. You may not feel like you are, but there is someone that sees your smile, that sees your energy, that sees your whole presence, and they are looking for that. And you're the thing that helps them want to keep going. So remember, you are the light and you are helping support those around you. Um, take time to reach out to those around you as well. Smiles go a long way. Text go a long way. Really listening and saying, how are you doing today? And listening, really listening and holding space for people can anchor those in that are having the depression right now to just get through the next day. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. You and Dr. Tanya Gold need to get together. <laughs> Your whole presence just, you know, it's all about happiness, right? Comes from within and we can make a difference. So thank you so much for sharing and thanks for making the choice that you were enough and important. important. Our next speaker. I'm so excited to see you again, Miss Erica. Erica Castro has taught high school English for 24 years. 
She is an advocate for both domestic violence and sexual assault. She has overcome anxiety and depression, and she is now using her message to help others. She's a life coach and helps empower individuals to release the past and move forward. You can find her at ericalifecoaching.com. Welcome, Erica. Hi, how are you guys? Thank you so much for this opportunity. I am beyond blessed to be here um, and alive. Um, my story starts one day when my husband left the house. He was leaving me for somebody else. And um, he took the kids, I mean, not permanently, but he took to be with them. And I was alone. And um, I wanted to numb. So I went and got alcohol. I started drinking by myself, not driving. I went and got it, brought it home, started drinking and listening to music and really sad. You know, it's really, really sad. Um, you know, and I was by myself and everything. I think I could have woken up the next day and would have been fine. Except my ex-husband came over with my daughter and started shaming me and putting me down, saying that I was a terrible person, terrible mother. And if anything, I always had pride of was that I was a good mother. And being in that really dark space and feeling like my purpose was gone, like I had no purpose. Um, my ex-husband used to have sleeping pills to go to sleep. I took the pills, fell asleep, and um, they came back and found me and took me to the um, that you are pumped my stomach and I was in a mental institution for five days and it was very very difficult because it woke me up in a sense of I wasn't the only one there was other women who were in the same situation as me in that mental institution um I eventually stopped drinking I have seven years now sober um not that I had a problem before but I knew that if I, if I wasn't drinking, that would have never happened. It was the alcohol that fueled it, that gave me the courage to, to do something that I, that I regretted. And I had to make a living amends with my children um, because they, you know, how, mom, how dare you want to die and leave me with an alcoholic father? Like, you know, like, what about me? And, you know, you never really know how much you hurt your kids. My son wrote a paper um, and I was, I'm an English teacher, so I corrected it. And he said, um, my mother was so wrapped up in the dysfunction of my father that my sister and I were neglected. And he also wrote a paper about my suicide attempt. And that was like, so eye-opening of how much I hurt him by trying to die. And um, so I'm here to hope and try to give people hope and yesterday, um, my ex-boyfriend from high school committed suicide. And it was really hard for me because he was a doctor, he was a professional. And I, it was like, how is this happening the day before I'm supposed to speak about this? And so I'm, I'm grieving, but I'm showing up because somebody out there needs to hear me. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of tools, a couple of things that you can do to help you. Because one of the things that I've learned is this. Your pain may be this big, but it's your job to make it manageable. Okay. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is that some of you are really good at giving advice. When you're in this muck, I want you to picture yourself 
as your best friend. And what advice would you be giving her if she was thinking of dying? The second thing is do the five second rule. This is Mel Robbins. Um, Mel Robbins says that whenever you have an inspiration, an idea, you go five, four, three, two, one action. And so in other words, you're thinking all this negative thoughts, you're thinking all this that go five, four, three, two, one, and go do something. Get yourself out of your, your state of mind. And lastly, I'm gonna do this live. Um, I actually taught my students how to do this. This has saved me. You guys know, I just lost somebody that was instrumental in my life and I'm grieving. But I, this is what I do, it's called tapping, EFT. You can look it up, tappingsolutions.com. And so I'm, I lost my friend, so here goes. <laughs> this is a, just follow me. Um, even though I'm hurting because I'll never see you again, I completely and entirely love myself. Even though my heart is broken because I'll never see your smile and I'll never be able to give you a hug, I completely and entirely love myself. Even though my heart hurts because you were hurting. Sorry, my alarm, I'm sorry. Because you were hurting. I completely and entirely love myself. And so my pain starts shrinking. For me, I need to do this for 30 minutes, but for you, it could be 10 minutes, because right now I'm in a lot of pain. And I just, I know I'm taking a little bit of time, but I just wanted to read this for my friend who died yesterday. To, doc, to medical doctor Raul Carrillo, I wish I had a chance to see you one last time, to give you one big hug. I wish we had one last talk or see your smile, remembering you always. Grateful you are now my angel. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Erica, thank you so much for sharing our condolences for you, my friend. It's really difficult. You know, here we talk about all these statistics and what could we do? What could we do? What could you have said? You have to remember, it just starts with you. You just have to love yourself so that you can try to reach out and help those that, um, that are in your life. Thank you for sharing, Erica. Um, I'm going to go on here to our next speaker, who's actually a sponsor. We are so glad that you joined us here. Michael Butler, CEO of Beyond Publishing, book publisher, global speaker, and media coach. Welcome. Well, thank you. What a great event. So proud of you and Gigi. You're always hosting these awesome events and providing hope. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Mel. Melanie, really glad. Uh, you know, we finished up a great event here. We're in the middle of a great event at Sticker Shock Speaking Academy with Daniel Gomez in San Antonio. And I just appreciate how so many of you are bringing hope. I know you've had some amazing, wonderful speakers on the panel. And I know that uh, the residual effect of you throwing these um, beams of hope into the water will ripple out around the world. And so I really applaud you. Um, I would say reach out. Uh, look around you, check in on people. Uh, not everyone that's hurting knows how to throw out a lifeline. So just be led, be led and be wise on 
who needs a word of hope and encouragement and speak those words of hope and encouragement even if you feel like you're not making an impact if it's a child if it's a family member and um, your words really do make a difference pa the the power of life and death are in the tongue Pro the book of Proverbs says and uh, it's really true that your words can give someone hope in a future in fact uh, somebody was on stage today reminding Daniel Gomez because Daniel you know, when he was 17 or 18, he's got a scar that goes from here to here. Many of you know Daniel. And we were traveling and speaking in Pakistan a few months ago. And he said, have you ever seen my scar? And he pulls up his shirt. And I said, no. And I didn't know his full story. But he was speaking at a junior high and was going to talk about goal setting or something else. And he just felt led to share his story, his testimony. And there was a girl that came up and said, you don't realize that what you shared today saved my life and uh, pretty much she made that public to the whole school and you know people are hurting kids now that more than ever are hurting so just be obedient to share your story you might feel like it's not making an impact but it is and um, those lifelines of hope are very valuable so thanks for inviting me I'm so proud to sponsor uh, Gigi and, and on her events and Melanie you do a wonderful job hosting them so um, I'm just going to continue to share what you guys are doing so pe people can get this plugged into their calendar because the human trafficking event was phenomenal and I know you're creating lasting impact and goodwill and hope so keep up the great work thank you proud to be a part thank you so much you know, in closing, before we go to the next session, we're going to close out with a prayer and just invite you, remind you to come to the private Facebook page. But I have just a few closing strategies that I love that Erica gave us the tapping strategy because I've heard that today on our morning Bible study, somebody brought it up and now we're talking about it again. It is a strategy that you have to take and own um, to be able to get better. And so um, these are just a few walking away takeaways for today. Um, preventing suicide, a strategy, strength, strengthening economic supports, just like Manny talked about, this very one, second speaker. Um, strengthen strategy, strengthen access and delivery of suicide care. Create protective environments. Promote connectedness. Teach coping and problem-solving skills. Identify and support people at risk. And lessen harms and prevent future risk. So I love that list. And I wanted to really remind you um, that we can make a difference. And again, if you're listening tonight, and you need to talk to somebody, the suicide, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline number is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. And I'll turn this back over to Gigi. Thank you, Melanie. First and foremost, I wanna say thank you to our speakers and our sponsors, and thank you all for being here today. Suicide and suicide attempt rates are growing tremendously. And the fact that today you heard so many speakers come forward in regards to suicide and suicide attempts and how they survived it, but they are raising awareness and we need to continue to do so and continue to educate others about suicide and suicide attempts 
especially during a time like this with COVID. So many individuals are ending their lives because they think that's it. They think that that's the only option that they have. No, you have a choice. You have a choice to live. You can make that decision today. You are not alone. You just heard from so many speakers today that chose not to end their lives and that are still here today. They are hope. They are hope. There is hope. If you're listening to this today, God is with you. Joshua 1, 9 states, haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for your Lord, your God is with you wherever you go. Therefore, you're not alone. Remember, God is with you wherever you go. Don't give up. Never give up. God is with you. Thank you. And I highly recommend joining our suicide attempt discussion group. This is where this continues because what better place to discuss this than a group with leaders who have survived this themselves. Join today. Now we'll end this event with a prayer by Lakeisha James. Lakeisha, you're muted. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this day that you've made and we're really sitting rejoicing in it. We thank you, Father, for this platform that you put forth on today, Father. We ask you to touch each and every person that spoke on today, Father. Your words say you would never leave us nor forsake us, Father. We ask you right now for strength. We ask you for more voice, Father, for the voiceless, Father. We thank you right now for what you're doing in our lives, Father. We thank you for each and every person that's a, a part of this platform. We thank you for each and every person that's attached to this suicide attempt the survivors father survivors then they're thrivers we thank you right now father for being in the midst of all this you said when two or more come together father you are in the midst father we're touching right now we're agreeing father that we're going to support each other we're going to stand strong father by your word we're going to stand on your word father because like i said before your word said you would never leave us nor forsake us and we trust you father we thank you right now for creating this platform father on this day this day is such a time as this, Father, that she created this for us, Father. We thank you right now. We give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. And thank you again, everyone, for being here today. God bless you and be safe. And continue to raise awareness and educate others about suicide and suicide attempts. Thank you.